You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. To find more resources and learn more about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. Chapter 20, John chapter 20, we're going to read verse 24 to 31. Let's go to God's word. Now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is God's word. Well, if you're just now joining us, uh, going through our teaching series, we've broken up the 21 chapters of John into eight different teaching series, different small groups of teaching. We're looking at the encounters with Jesus, and then in a couple weeks, looking at the signs of Jesus. And so we've gone through the book of John, uh, looking at a handful of counters. We're going to go back to the beginning and now look at the seven signs, seven miracles in the book of John. And we encounter Thomas this morning. It's a famous and well-known encounter of one of Jesus' disciples with Jesus after the resurrection. And in the Gospel of John, there's three encounters with Jesus and Thomas. And this is the last one. We'll look at the other two in the weeks ahead. But throughout these encounters, we learn a lot about Thomas and his personality, his temperament, his, his hang-ups, whatever it is, his bent towards life, and even his understanding of who Jesus is means a lot to how we interpret uh, this passage here. In John 14, Jesus tells his disciples that, that he's going to heaven, that, he's, that God has prepared a place for them, that one day he will come back and he will bring them to himself and he'll bring them into the house of God. And Thomas says, well, how will we find this place? How will we know? Do you give us directions? Will you tell us exactly how to get there? We don't have any, we don't know the way. And Jesus says, I am the way the truth, and the life. The second story has to do with Lazarus, their good friend who died, and Jesus comes to them and says, our dear friend Lazarus has died. Thomas says, great, let's just go to him too. Maybe we'll die too. (laughs) The second story with him and Lazarus, here in the third story, the resurrection. He wasn't there at Easter Sunday, but the other disciples come and say, we've seen the Lord And he says, impossible unless I put my finger in the hole in his hands where the nails went, I will never believe. So we're starting to see what Thomas is like, a picture of his personality. He has a hard time making sense of struggle and discouraging things in his life. Thomas was not a man that was really filled with a lot of joy, but a man who spent a lot of his time just merely hanging on. A man maybe who had some trust issues, some control issues, 
If there was a flaw in the day, Thomas would find it. If there 10 great things happened in the day, but one negative thing, Thomas was the kind of guy who would just focus on that one negative thing. Just didn't see a way forward. Couldn't believe it. A man who was hopeless in many ways. Sometimes that's all you can do is just hang on. Sometimes it feels like that. That's what Thomas is doing. He's just hanging on. He's just getting through. He's just trugging along through life. And even when good things come his way and good news comes his way, he just sees the negative in it. Have you ever felt that way? Do you feel that way now? Before I, I put my, my faith in Jesus, I, uh, there were a lot of things that I went to for comfort, for clarity, for stability and security. Uh, one of those things was REM, you know, an alternate rock band in the 1990s. So back in the, 19, uh, in the, in the 1900s, there was this band called uh, REM. All right, so some of you, yeah, some of you know, some of you know and love this, right? A, a lot, I had a lot of fun in high school, but um, I wasn't very happy. You may have, wouldn't have known that by observing my life. It seemed like there were a lot of wonderful things going on, but I was insecure and sad and afraid of, of many things. And I found comfort in REM and a song that they sang uh, called Everybody Hurts. I'm not singing it, but I, I listened to this song in my car. No, I, I, I listened to this song on repeat, and by repeat, I meant at the end of the cassette, I would, I would rewind it and then play it again. And it starts off like this, right? When your day is long and the night is yours alone, when you're sure you've had enough of this life to hang on, don't let yourself go, because everybody cries, everybody hurts sometimes, right? And then the music builds and the drums come in. Sometimes everything is wrong. Now it's time to sing along. And I would, right? And I would kind of, I'd sing along and I'd, and I'd be crying in the car. I'd repeat the chorus and it would just go along like this over and over again. And then it would just say, don't throw your hands up. Don't throw your hands up. And it would say that over and over and over again. And that was my gospel. That was my hope. My, my, my gospel was the good news that I had for my life was my only hope in the midst of difficulty is life is hard and everybody's miserable. Just keep going. <laughs> that was it. What a scam. What a scam. And that's the best that, that, we, that so much of the world had to offer. Like, hey, we're all in this. Things are just really, really hard. And one of the famous preachers of our day repeats this same scam, Dory from Finding Nemo, right? Just, <laughs> just keep swimming. I like Dory. No, like Dory is a scam artist. Just keep swimming. Just keep going. And this is the life that Thomas is living, all right? This is the life he's living. It's just, things are just really, really hard. And, and what hope do we have? And it's just, it's just negative. And, and, and really all that we have is just keep holding on. Chaos and grief and loneliness and fear. His friends are dying around him. Uh, the, his 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 greatest friend, Jesus, has died. They're hiding uh, from Jewish leaders out of fear of death. And John tells us Thomas's story for one reason, I think, and that's to offer us a convincing alternative, an alternative way of going through life than just keep holding on. A better gospel, a better hope, a better future, a better life to live now in the present with the risen Christ, a better hope, a better reality, a better gospel. And Jesus, or John ends the story, um, ends this story with the point of it all. 
In verse 31, he says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He says, this is the whole point of telling you all this is so that you would have an alternate story from what the, the story of, of what the world tells you. That in the midst of struggle, in the midst of chaos, God offers actually something very good and life-changing. And so we're going to look at this, this story with Thomas, paying attention to a few observations. We look at the concern of Thomas, the pursuit of Jesus, the response of true belief, and then a challenge to us all to kind of end our time. Let's look at this concern of Thomas, right? At this point, Thomas doesn't believe in the res- resurrection. Thomas is an unbeliever. He has followed Jesus. He's been a part of Jesus' ministry, but he's now at a point of unbelief. And the resurrection of Christ is such a popular theme. Of course, it's central to our faith in uh, Jesus. But for a minute, I want it to be unfamiliar. I want you to imagine that it is an unfamiliar thing because frankly, it's a very uncommon event, the resurrection of Christ. And so some might rebuke Thomas for his doubt, for his disbelief, and for his response, hearing that Jesus who had died just rose from the dead. But this is justified skepticism, isn't it? This is a reasonable doubt. A reasonable thing to be cautious about, to desire proof for, kind of a prove it mentality because he was dead. I saw him die. I saw him put in the tomb and that sealed up. 17 years ago in Indiana, a van carrying a dozen college students lost control. Many of the students died in this car crash. Two girls who were very badly injured um, were in intensive care. They both had blonde hair. They both had the same body type, same height, similar features. One remained in intensive care. The other did not survive the injuries. They held a funeral for the girl who died. 1,500 people from all around the state attended. Five weeks later, the girl in intensive care wakes up, covered from head to toe in bandages, writes her name on a piece of card, on a card. It is the girl who they just buried. Now imagine you are a family member, a close friend, a sibling, and you get that call. Over a month later, Sarah is alive. I'd be worried if you didn't show a little skepticism. I'd be worried if you didn't say, what are you talking about? Prove it. I want to see her. Where is she, Where is she right now? The disciples come to Thomas and say, we have seen the Lord. And he says, I'm just not there yet. I'm just not there. Is there an area of your life where you're just not there, where you are just, God is promising himself to you. He is guiding you. He is speaking into your life and others are encouraging you and coming along into your life. And you are similarly saying, I'm just not there. I'm having a hard time. I'm, I'm really struggling with that. You seeing others growing in their faith where you're not growing. Do you ex- see an experience of faith that others are having that you're not having? Are there prayers that have gone unanswered? for years? Are there prayers that you are offering to God now and others are offering you encouragement, support, and you are just kind of trying to make sense of it and saying, you know, I'm just not there. Do you feel safety in even expressing that reality that you're just not there? We all have those sorts of experiences, those doubts, those skepticism. And we have these experiences because we live in a world that does not function the way it's intended to function. It doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. Chaos and sickness and disappointment is not the original plan of God. Peace with God was the original plan with God. Safety in his presence is his original plan. Assurance of his love is the original plan. 
a life without doubt or confusion or insecurity. That was the original plan, but we live in a world that feels and experiences at every corner continually the effects of sin and rebellion against God in the world and also in our heart. And therefore it makes perfect sense for us to be skeptical about anything like truly hopeful. Doubt and unbelief in God's faithfulness is a direct result of living in a world that does not work as intended. We can't help it that we've been shaped by this story, this shaped by the world, shaped by sin, shaped, shaped by disappointment. And then God offers this beautiful picture of life in him and we say, yeah, I'm just not there yet. It makes sense. Our unbelief and our lack of faith is understandable, but just because that they are understandable does not mean that we're meant to stay in that place of unbelief. The reasons for why Thomas did not have faith make sense, but he's not meant to stay there. The reasons for why you and I struggle to trust in God make sense, but we are not meant to stay there. You are not meant to stay in this place of constant disbelief and mistrust or doubt. We are meant to believe. And so this is his problem, the concern of Thomas. It's a reasonable concern to be skeptical. It's reasonable for us to be skeptical as well. And yet God does not intend that we would stay there. And then we see this pursuit of Jesus, this movement of Christ towards Thomas. Could have left him there in his own doubt In fact, he does, what, eight days? My goodness, that's a long time. For his disciples, the others are just kind of going along in this new reality and in this new joy of the risen Christ. And Thomas is still there in doubt and struggling. Look at the care that Jesus takes in his pursuit and response to Thomas's needs. Thomas says, I I need to see the marks in his hands. I need to place my finger in those marks. I need to place my hand into his side and then I will believe. And then when, when Jesus approaches Thomas, I mean, he almost says exact, the exact words. He says the exact thing. See my hands? Put your finger in my hand. Take your hand, put it on my side. Christ knows each of us. He knows what we're going through. He knows the words that we utter even out loud. He knows the words that we don't even say out loud that are just hidden in our heart. He knows our doubts. He knows our struggles. He knows our pains. He knows all that. There's no indication uh, that, that any of the disciples had seen Jesus again in these past eight days. They didn't, they didn't sit down with Jesus and say, well, this is what Thomas said. And then, and then Jesus said, okay, all right, let me get that right again. He said, fingers in my hands and the hand on my side. Okay, I'm gonna go repeat that to him. Jesus knows. He knows him. He knows what we're going through. He knows what we need to have faith. He knows where we doubt. And he is not deterred by those. God does not struggle with our doubts. He is not insecure when we don't believe. He does not approach us in our doubts with harsh condemnation, but, is, but he, he approaches us with his gracious presence. You know, last week we, we learned through Jesus' encounter with Mary Magdalene that he knows our name, he calls our name. We hear his name and he hears our voice and we hear his, but here we learn that Jesus hears us even when he is not physically present. Even when we don't even say the words out loud, he, he knows our heart. Down to the very last syllable, down to the very last unuttered phrase. I hope you find comfort in that. 
Hope you find comfort through these stories, right? We're looking at a portrait. John is wanting us to see who Jesus is, what he is like, and how he handles our life, how he handles our needs, our struggles, our conflicts. He calls us out. He knows our name. He hears our cries. He speaks into us. He approaches us with with gentle, gracious compassion. Jesus loves Thomas, and because he loves him, he takes care to not only pursue him, but to address his specific doubts. He doesn't ask Thomas to, to ignore his struggles or his doubts or pretend that they're not there, that they're not there. Look at what he says, though. He says, do not disbelieve, but believe. A, a, a rebuke and an invitation. Do not disbelieve, but believe. There's something so gracious in how Christ calls Thomas out. He points to the root of his grief, the root of his lack, it's a lack of proof. And he challenges to move forward, to take a step of trusting in him. The first step for us is moving forward through our trouble is belief. It's trust. It's not more information. It's not, it's not hard evidence. It's not, God, if you would just do this, then I would believe. Our first step is in trusting God and who he has revealed himself to be. At this point, Thomas is an unbeliever. The word has come to him. The testimony of Christ's resurrection has come to him and he doesn't believe. He is rebuked by Christ, but then invited into trusting deeper. And so is everyone who puts, everyone who puts conditions on their belief in God is an unbeliever. The heart of unbelief is to say, I believe you if you blank. Isn't that the heart of unbelief? Conditional belief is unbelief. But trusting belief is true belief. Conditional belief is unbelief. Requiring uh, evidence, requiring God to prove himself to us. What does Jesus want for Thomas? He reveals it here. He wants Fullness of life for Thomas. He wants life for him now and forever. Without believing in Jesus, who he is and what he has done, there will neither be fullness for Thomas's life in the present nor fullness in the future. This is something he has to believe in order to have eternal life, to believe in the word of God, to believe in the testimony of Jesus. To be faithless in Christ is to be eternally hopeless. To be faithless and unbelieving in Jesus is to be eternally joyless. To be unbelieving and faithless in Christ is to be eternally miserable. And Jesus doesn't want that for Thomas. So he pursues him, confronts him, he invites him to not be unbelieving, but to believe. And Thomas is at a crossroads here, isn't he? Jesus doesn't make him do anything. He doesn't compel him. He presents himself to him. He shows him who he is. Jesus says, I want you to stop in your unbelief and believe. And Thomas shows us what it truly means to place our faith in Jesus. This response of true belief. Thomas answers, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. We've talked about belief and faith so many times. The Gospel of John, because that's John's desire, is for us to come to true belief and faith in Jesus. And Thomas shows us exactly what we are to be believing about 
Jesus. Because when it comes to faith, when it comes to real belief, there must be substance in, and meaning in our faith and truth. And to believe in Jesus is to, is to really embrace tangible, real truths about who he is and what he has done. To hold in our hand and say, these are the things I believe about God. These are the things I believe to be true. They're profound. They have meaning. They are real. Belief is not merely just this heartfelt acquaintance with God. It is not just an enjoyment of his affection. It is to believe in certain things. It is both a surrender of our will and, a, and an agreement to the truths of the Bible and who God says he is. And here Thomas says two things. He says, you are my Lord and my God. To say that he is my Lord, he is consenting his will to Christ. You have authority, you have a power over my life. You, you mediate between uh, me and God the Father for my needs. You are my Lord. My life doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to you. At this moment, Thomas is surrendering himself to God. Surrendering his will. One of the Old Testament Hebrew names for God that God asked his people to call him was Adonai. And Adonai means my foundation, my life, my supply. And that is what Thomas is saying by saying, you are my Lord. He is saying, you are, you are the basis of my life, my joy. You are the, the end. You are the beginning of all that I am. You are anything good comes from you. You are my very life. The life that I now live, I no longer live in myself. I now live in you because you live in me. To confess Christ as Lord is to entirely align ourselves with Jesus, to acknowledge that with all that we have, we belong to him. It's a profound confession of who he is. And then he says, you are my God. He confesses Christ to be God. One of the, one of the best and most clearest ways that we see the deity of Christ, that he is God that he takes on this name and he is not rebuked for it. When he says, you are God. And Jesus says, yeah, you believe correctly. He's affirming the essential teaching of the nature of Christ. He is not a man who was made God, but he is God who became a man, who took on flesh he died for our sins. He was buried. He rose from the dead. He appeared to more than 500 people. Thomas is worshiping Christ right now as Jesus is alive, worshiping him then and, then and worshiping now. And essentially, sincere Christians communicate these two things about God. These two things, Jesus is God and I belong to him. Jesus is God and I belong to him. That's the confession of true belief, that he is all, that he is the creator of all, sustainer of all, that he, ser that he is the servant of, of nothing in creation, but all of creation serves him. Jesus accepts Thomas's worship and calls him blessed. He calls him blessed, but then he talks about you and he talks about me. Isn't this neat? Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen 
and yet have believed. That's you. That's me. He's talking about us. Our, our faith depends on the testimony of the gospels of other people. Our faith depends on eyewitness testimony. When, while Jesus provides Thomas with what he asked for, he commends those who do not need physical evidence or proof in order to believe. He gives Thomas, Thomas what he asked for. And what we get, it's not physical proof, but what is the basis of our belief? Have you ever, haven't you felt that? God, just show up. Show up in my bedroom at night. Show up and just, I want that neon light. I want that, that thunderbolt. Have you ever done that during a storm? I've done that. God, in five seconds, make a thunderbolt hit by my house. Five, four, three, two. Well, it wasn't right next to my house. It was, maybe, was it close enough? It was a little farther away. Is that God? God, is that you? <laughs> you ever put God to the test? Well, Thomas did that and, and God actually, he appealed to that and he, and he can do that. And he says, yes, this is how I work. Sometimes I give people exactly what they're asking for. But blessed are those who, who don't get exactly what they're asking for and still trust in me. The basis of our belief is the word of God. The basis of our belief is, is the word of God that bears witness to the truth. And he says, here's my word. Here's my truth. Here's the testimony of who I am and what I have done. Will you believe that? And to believe in what God says, to walk by faith and not by sight, he says, is the more blessed thing to do. We are in a better position, a more blessed position to believe because he said so, rather than to believe because he proved himself to us through physical hard evidence. And the blessing that you and I receive is what John calls life in his name. Life in his name. The opposite of life in his name is death in our sins. So this is the wonderful blessing to it comes to all who believe in him. Life in his name. Christians for ages have given Thomas a nickname. Do you know what that is? Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas, which is interesting because we don't call, you know, David, adulterous David or murderous Paul or denying Peter or codependent Mary. I mean, why don't, we, why don't we do that? There's all the disorders in the Bible. They're all in there. I, I want to, I it's not fair. I want to give Thomas a new name. I want to call him Worshiping Thomas. Because it's true that he was doubting Thomas, but he didn't stay there. Why, and this is the great blessing of the gospel is that we are no longer identified by our sins and failures. But we, through believing in Jesus, we receive life in his name. We receive a new name, a new creation. Life in his name, not our name anymore. We know we're, Thomas doesn't need to be doubting Thomas. I mean, for millennia, we have just looked at Thomas's failures. And yet he didn't stay there. He worshiped, he worshiped Jesus. I've heard this sermon so many times and it goes a little bit like this. Thomas doubted, shame on Thomas, don't be a Thomas. That's not the message of this passage. The message is this, Thomas doubted, Jesus pursued, Thomas believed, and blessed are those who don't need to see but still believe. Do you believe?
The, the, the moral of this story, the blessing is this, is that anyone who has a name that they are not proud of, anybody who has a name and a history that is identified by their failures and their weaknesses and their sins are no longer called by that anymore when they trust in Jesus, but we receive life in his name. Imagine being remembered for a thousand years for your failures. What name would you receive? What name would people give you? What name are you giving yourself? What name are you calling yourself even now? Imagine being immortalized because of the example of how not to live. And that's just how people remembered you. And honestly, on his own, this is exactly what Thomas deserved. If Jesus did not pursue Thomas and present himself to Thomas, we'd be justified in still calling him doubting Thomas. This is who you are because the opposite of life in his name is death in your sins. And this would be like an ax hanging over his head for all of eternity. You doubted, you didn't believe, and you missed out on the greatest blessing that you could ever have. But Jesus pursued him. Jesus revealed himself to Thomas and he saved him. And Thomas worshiped him. This is the formula for, for every Christian. The challenge is never to be without any doubt. The challenge is never to be without confusion or without struggle. The challenge for you and I is to believe in Jesus, to believe in what he says, to believe in what he tells us, to surrender our will to him and trust in him as God and sustainer and lover of our soul and the one who pursues us in ways that are, that are fitting to his will and purpose in our life. This challenge to you and I is, okay, we don't have this sight, right? If Jesus would just show up, Okay, so we don't have that. Will you believe in the word of God? And in our unbelief, we remain dead in sins, but by God's gracious pursuit, Jesus' perfect death on the cross and triumphant resurrection and our trusting belief, we receive life in his name. So the challenge is this. Don't settle for just holding on. Don't settle for just keep swimming through life and hoping things get better. The challenge is do not disbelieve, but believe. Believe in Jesus. Believe in his resurrection. Believe in the good news. Trust in him and he will make you new. Thanks for listening to this audio from Holy Cross Church. Visit us at holycrosstucson.com to find more resources and connect with us.